right? So that's the announcements for the day. Are y'all ready to simply praise God with your voices this morning? Amen. So let us stand. And let us sing out loud. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. this morning. Let's sing out and sing loud so we can give all the glory to God this morning for he brought us here to this day. Even though some of us may have had a hard week coming ahead of us, he still brought us through it. So let's continue to glory and give praise to him. From the rising to the setting sun. From the rising to the setting sun, his love endures forever. And by the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is faithful.
forever. He doesn't leave us. No matter what we go through, no matter what he walked through, walked through, he is right there walking with us. For he continues to give us victory every single day. So let's continue to glorify in that victory.
blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of blood. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Let's continue to worship. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my soul. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. A story he continues to write. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're that I'm never alone You're a good 
good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am it's who I am when I've seen many searching for Good. 
should this life bring suffering Lord I will remember what Calvary has bought for me both now and forever God you're so one more time, but we're going to cut out all instruments and just lift our voices so we can glorify Him. God, You're so good. God, You're so you to make your way to the altar if there's something that you need to bring before him today today I stand here and I I think about some wise words that was spoken to me there's all too often in our lives that all of our prayers that we pray are about physical things about God supplying this need or God supplying this need or God helping me through this struggle or helping me through this. There's times that we just simply need to stop and pray for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Let's not worry about physical. Let's go to the spiritual and let's draw from the one that gives us strength today. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to move in our hearts and in our lives. Let's release the physical. It's not a physical ailment that's hurting and destroying this world. It is a spiritual ailment. It's not a spiritual ailment that's destroying you and creating the stress and the anger in your life. It is a spiritual ailment. call upon the Spirit of God this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And God, as we bow before you, God, we today humbly approach your throne knowing that we are not worthy to be here but also coming confident because we know who you are and we know that you live in us and that your spirit is in us and drawing us to you 
God, today I pray, dear Lord, that we put off the things of this world, the struggles of this world. But God, today I pray that we would seek your spirit, God, your Holy Spirit. We would ask him to move in our hearts and our lives. He is here with us today. God, I pray that today that we would ask for him to reveal his power within us. To show us the authority that we have over Satan through him and because of him. God, I pray that we would allow the Spirit to give us strength. I pray that we would allow the Spirit to give us peace today. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace that's not like the peace that this world gives. God, I pray that your Spirit would inhabit this place, inhabit our hearts and our lives. That it would break down the walls. That it would water where it needs to be watered. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. these are making their way back, I'd ask the ushers if they would make their way forward. Wayne, would you lead us in prayer? Amen. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning and uh, and pray. 
bow our heads before we get into God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, again we come to you, and God, we thank you for, for being with us. God, we thank you for the knowledge that you give to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, today, God, that you would hide me behind your cross. And God, today the words that I give and the words that I say, dear Lord, are your words. And God, that the words that are said, dear Lord, are uplifting unto you. And God, that they, would, that they are edifying to the people that are here. God, I praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this morning, for me, this morning is, is kind of difficult, and I say this because it's difficult because I finished my last class this weekend on biblical counseling, and it was almost, uh, you know, it was it kind of informationally speaking, it was like going up to a uh, fire hydrant and opening up my mouth and turning it on. And just trying to absorb as much of that as I could possibly absorb. So I'm saying this because I don't want to give it to you. Okay? This morning's message is this morning's message. And it shouldn't have and it doesn't have anything to do with what I learned this week. So I pray and I ask that you would pray that I not give you what I learned yesterday and Friday, but I give you the Word of God for today. Okay? And, and in saying that, it's keeping these things separate as they whirl around in my mind. So I want us to go to John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, and yes, it's a long passage of Scripture, so I would like for you to turn there, because we're going to read all 17 verses of this today, but I'm not going to give you all 17 verses today, okay? So I'm not going to try to cram, you, you know, cram 17 verses into the message today, because if I did, we would be here until somewhere around 1, 2 o'clock this afternoon. And I know that you don't want that, and I don't want that. So we're going to take this in chunks. And I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through the 17 verses, but we'll get through them. Okay, so let's go into this. And it starts off in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. Okay, so first of all, Today we're going to talk about the true vine. So I'm going to tell you that. We'll talk about the true vine since it's the first four words. Five words in this passage. It says, and my father is the husbandman. That might be a different translation for you. Okay, because husbandman or gardener in your translation it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he cleanses it, that it may bear more fruit. Already ye are clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, so that it, so neither can you, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same beareth much fruit. For apart from me ye can do nothing. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. If ye abide in me, and my word abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Wherein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciple. Even as the Father hath loved me, I also have loved you. Abide ye in me, or in my love. If you keep my commands, ye shall abide in me, in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commands, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my command, that you or ye love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do the things which I command you. No longer do I call you servant, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friend, so all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known unto you. Ye did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that ye should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. That whoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things are command to you, or I command to you, that ye may love one another. Now maybe you understand now why we're not going to try to take in all of this. There is a lot for us to grab a hold to and to understand whenever we are looking at this particular passage of Scripture. I want to go in and I want to look at verse 16 and I want to go there just real quick so that I can give you this understanding and I can give you something that has really, it really kind of gets me, okay? Uh, you find here it says, ye did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that ye shall go and bear fruit. And we deal with this chosen, we deal with this, uh, you know, um, that he has chosen, that he has appointed. 
And whenever I see this and I see these words, I understand what the scripture is talking about. Uh, you know, a couple of Wednesdays ago, we went and we studied the forbearance or the foreknowing of God and how God foreknew us. God chose us because he knew us beforehand. God didn't choose us because he knew that we would react to him. God chose us before all things were created. Uh, he chose us in the beginning whenever he began to think throughout this process. We are a part of his plan and we are part of the beginning of that. Christians, we want to use this word so that we can say that I'm chosen and you're not chosen. That is not what Scripture says. That is not what God implies. Whenever he says that we are chosen, God chose to create each and every one of us, and God loves each and every one of us. There is no one here that is any more special than I am. We are all, right? So we as believers, we need to stop using the words where it singles us out. We are not an exclusive club. We are an, an inclusive club, right? We want everybody to come in. But whenever we use the word that I am a chosen child of God, which we all are, it gives the people that are not following God the understanding that they are not chosen. That's not what Scripture's saying, but that's what we make it out to be. Okay, so that's free. That has nothing to do with the message for this morning. That's free for you. Okay, so go ahead and chalk that up. That's number two that pastor gave us free. So I want to talk to you today about the vine. Now, whenever we come to this particular passage of Scripture in the Gospel of John, number one, we have to understand where this lies in Jesus' walk. Remember, the Gospel of John is part of the four Gospels, but it's not part of the synoptic Gospels, which would be the three Gospels, which would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are, in time related, those are written down the same path, but John doesn't follow a particular line or a particular date and number in the life of Jesus. So whenever we look at chapter 15, we need to understand that at the end of chapter 14, he says, now let's go. What he's doing is, is they're getting up from the table of the Last Supper and they are now going and making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to pray. So give you this time frame, Jesus is somewhere around six to seven days from being arrested and being crucified, so he knows that he must teach his disciples some important things. So whenever he's teaching his disciples, he comes in and he goes to this particular passage of Scripture and he talks about this vine. Now I want you to understand that he says, I am the true vine. Why does he say that he is the true vine? Well, there's a couple of thought processes. It could be because maybe there's multiple vines that's out there 
And Jesus wants everyone to know that he is the true vine. There's no other vine other than Jesus Christ. Now I heard somebody say, amen, that's right, that there's no other vine other than Jesus Christ. But Jesus has to specify that he is the true vine. How does Jesus and why does Jesus specify that he is the true vine? I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, I want you to go all the way down to verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, Christ is the invisible image of, or is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Got it? He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in, heaven, in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, the supreme over all, who raised from the dead. So he is the first of in everything, for God is all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to him. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Woo! So why in the world can Jesus make this proclamation that he is the true vine? Because there's absolutely nothing that was created that was not created through Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that lives on this earth that does not live through Jesus Christ. Give me the picture right here now of the vine. Come on. Vine. There you go. All right, so we got this nice little picture of this nice vine, and you see the roots that's there, right? That vine would not exist if it wasn't for the roots. There is absolutely nothing on this world that exists that it doesn't exist because of Jesus Christ. That's how he makes the proclamation and says that I am the true vine because he created all things. He sustains all things. But he has to make this statement because there is a false vine. Right? Let's go to the next one. There you go. Maybe you can read that. Maybe you can't read it. It doesn't matter. We all know that a vine has a trunk, right? We also know that a vine unattended will have suckers that will grow from the base of the root or the base of the trunk. Not the root, 
the trunk. Because the root is Jesus Christ. Because we get nothing from anything other than the root. That vine gets nothing. The root provides it all. A friend of mine gave me a present this week. God, hear my hand. It's a manual from 1948. It's a Nazarene manual from 1948. I want you to understand, there's been some words that's changed from 1948 to where we're at right now for 2022. Been some words changed in here. In here, there's only 15 articles of faith. Can anybody real quick tell me what this, you know, what the extra article of faith is now? Because now we have 16 articles of faith. What's the extra article of faith? The church. Back in 1948, the foundation of the Church of the Nazarene was 15 articles of faith. And from 1948 to 2022... There's only been one article of faith that's been added, and that's been the church. I think they kind of got it right back in 1948 whenever they wrote this one here. But there's actually, back in 1938, okay, there was some revisions. I want you to see something. I am an ordained pastor, minister, elder... Of the church of the Nazarene. I believe in the manual. I preach. I teach the manual. But can I tell you. And can I warn you. That if we begin to look at this. Instead of this. We become a root. That is branching off. Of the stump. We become just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus had to define that he is the true vine because they begin to teach things that he didn't teach. I went to a Pentecostal church. I really enjoyed the Pentecostal church. They were happy people. They ran and they shouted and they screamed and they jumped up and down. I mean, it was exciting to go to church every Sunday. But then somebody came to me and they said, John, if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't think that's quite right. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean if I don't speak in tongues that I don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Remember, Jesus Christ said that he is the true vine. 
Colossians explains to us why he's the true vine. Jesus had to make this distinction because for us to get to heaven, we have to be grafted in to the true vine. Not the fake vine. Not the false vine, right? But the true vine. We have to stay connected to it. Now, Scripture goes in and there's plenty of Scriptures that you can look at that talks about the vine. It's known that the Israelites and the Jewish nation was thought of and was referred to as the vine. After all, if you went into the temple and right there before the Holy of Holies, there was this huge grapevine made out of gold that draped all the way down to the floor. That as people would come in and they would give their gifts to the church and they would give gold to this, the church would actually melt that and they would mold it down. And they said that there were clusters of golden grapes that weighed more than a man weighed. But where do they get it from? You can look into Psalms chapter 80. And in Psalms chapter 80, it talks about God being the, the, the takes the vine out of Egypt and takes that grapevine out of Egypt and takes it and plants it in the promised land. And it says that whenever he planted it in the promised land, it flourished. And it actually began, began, it became so big that it began to give shade to the cedar. It's not this little vine that we grow grapes and stuff on today, but I imagine that they did have some that they, that they grew for the wine and stuff that they had. It said the vine became strong and the vine you know, you know, came in and it, it covered the ground and it grew and, and God blessed it and it multiplied and it continued to grow and continued to grow. And then we have another passage of scripture where Jesus is talking about the gardener comes in and he goes to the grapevine and he picks some grapes off of the grapevine but they were wild, nasty tasting grapes. They were not the grapes that he had planted. They were no longer the vine that he had planted. And they were no longer producing the fruit that they were supposed to be producing. Whenever the Israelites heard any type of an analogy or a story or an illustration about a grapevine, they knew that judgment was coming because they had not been doing what the vine of God was supposed to be doing. That's why I talked about the inclusive or the exclusive. We are supposed to be inclusive. We are supposed to allow all and want all people 
to come into the house of God. But see, we have to be grafted in to the true vine. I want you to, you know, I finally get to use this analogy. And I learned this a long time back, but I finally get to use this analogy. Because whenever we get into this and we look here, it tells us that, that God the Father is the husbandman or He is the gardener of this. And then it goes in and it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, He takes it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, He cleanses it or, or uh, you know, prunes it that it may bear more fruit. And then he goes in and he says, you already are clean because you have heard the word. So he's saying to his disciples, you are already part of this vine because you have received me, because you've heard my word and you received me as your Lord and Savior. And then verse 4, it says, abide in me and I in you. So do we understand now, before I go in, I want to make sure that we know and we understand why Jesus said that he's the true vine. Now he has to be the true vine, and the thing about it is, is that this is not the same vine that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. It's not that Jesus came into this and then turned this vine into a good vine. He says that I am the true vine. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were still there. They were still alive. They were still telling people wrongly on how to get to God. So Jesus has to establish himself as the true vine. Can I let you know that all of the Pharisees, Sadducees, all the Israelites... They have to be grafted into the true vine. They have to receive Jesus Christ. And whenever we're grafted into the vine because we believe in Jesus Christ, it says, abide in me and I will abide in you. I still get upset periodically whenever I remember that, uh, you know, I used to have nice reclining chairs in my office to be able to use up here for an illustration. Because whenever we hear this, we have to ask the question, what does abide mean? How, how do we abide in Christ and Christ abide in me? Well, some people think that it's a speedboat. Now, you know, come on, you have to come with me. It's not too far-fetched because we have Wake, Wake. We have Lake Wiley. That's right around the corner, just real close to us. And we have Lake Watery that's over there. And Lake Norman's not too far away. Some people feel like whenever I abide in Christ, it's like getting into a speedboat and we just simply go hammers down to get to the other side of the lake, Right? I got this big 250 horsepower mercury on the backside, and I just lay it forward, right? And we just, choo, about 75 miles an hour across that water. 
Some of us have a four power or a four horsepower, two stroke engine that's back there. And we're like, wee! But I'm doing absolutely nothing. Right? All I have to do is hammer down and I'm gone. Whenever I receive Jesus Christ, I don't have to do anything. Right? I'm just, all I have to do is just abide in Christ. I'm kicked back. The only thing about it is, is that whenever it begins to talk about suffering, I kind of think about this. Uh, you know, if you got a big enough motor on the back, you're going to get wind burnt. Maybe that's suffering. If you're out on the lake long enough, you're going to get sunburnt. Maybe that's suffering. But that's not the suffering that it's talking about. That's not the boat that we're supposed to be in. Well, some of us, then we do the opposite and we're like, well, if I abide in Christ, I need to climb into this boat. And then for me to stay in this boat and to get to the other side of the river, there's something I got to do. So we pick up the oars, right? And we start rowing. I got to work this out. You have to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. By the fourth or fifth time that I pull like this, my arms are trembling. I'm war slap out. Whenever we abide in Christ, we, Scripture tells us that you still have to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So we get the paddle out. We're not going very far. Because it's not by works that we get there. But wait a minute. Let me get into the speedboat. No, that's not the way to get there either. The way that we get there and the way that we abide in Christ, if we're doing this right, is, is that we're going to get onto a sailboat. How many of y'all watched uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean last night? It was on TV again. Yeah. Peggy loves that movie. We have all of them. Johnny Depp and the Pirates of the Caribbeans or whatever, you know, all the yada, yada, Pirates of the Caribbean. But, you know, that's the right boat. Because, see, we can get on that boat and we can work as hard as we can work and as hard as we want to work, but it's not going to go anywhere without the breath of the Holy Spirit blowing on those sails. So whenever we look and we think about this, and how do I abide in Christ, is that whenever we get there, we, we are cleansed because we know Jesus Christ. We sit there and we're like, okay. Now I pray, and I read the scripture, and I follow his commands. Because I'm abiding in Him. Not so that I can produce fruit. Because there is absolutely not a branch one that works to make them fruit. The fruit comes from the nourishment that the roots give to it. I kind of like that analogy. How many of y'all want to go sailing with me today? I have no clue. I have no nautical skills whatsoever. But y'all come on. 
we'll go sailing. We'll go somewhere. There are some ladies that like to go kayaking down the river. Now, there's no, there's no wind and no sails, but they don't paddle a lick unless they're going towards danger. That water just pushes them along. And all they do with that oar is they just simply use it to steer them out of danger. That could be a good analogy for you. So if you want to, Jackie's over there and she's going to start up a kayaking club. I want you all to see and I want you to grab a hold. First thing, whenever we get into this passage of Scripture, we have to understand why that, you know, we have to understand that Jesus Christ is the true vine. And we must get attached to Him. And then whenever we get attached to Him, there is nothing that is responsible that I am responsible for other than abiding in Christ. And whenever I abide in Christ, I willfully follow His commands and do what He has for me to do. And if I do that, then I'm going to produce fruit. Not because I am doing anything, because I'm just abiding in Christ. It's because the roots provide all of it. But they have to be the right roots. Are there other vines that's out there? I believe there's other sucker branches and stuff that's out there that's going off in the wrong direction. I want you to see, because whenever it talks about this, and it talks about the branch being cut away, it's not a dead branch that's cut away. Right? It's not dead. It's still green. But it's not producing fruit. We abide in Christ because He is the true vine. But we also have to understand and we have to know the true vine. And the only way that we can know the true vine is by reading the Word. Right? Colossians says that Jesus is the visible of the invisible God. There's another passage of Scripture that says that Jesus, although being equal or being God, felt and, you know, and did not consider himself to be equal to God. See, he's, he's the true vine. And, and we need to connect. We need to be grafted into the true vine. talked about this some last week whenever we said that there's the group and there's sometimes we get along and we and we talk with people about scripture and about what you know and about this passage of scripture and then whenever we come to the end of things we say well this is what I think that it fits or that it means if it's not what if it does not agree with the totality of scripture and we're trying to make it mean something that it's not, then we are doing something to block the nourishment 
from the root system that we have. Therefore, we are on the verge of being cut off. We're not dead. We're still coming to church and we're still reading the scripture, but there's some things that we believe that doesn't line up with everything that's in the scripture. Therefore, we begin to refuse the nourishment. I want to close with this because as this week, as everything went along, I didn't have a bad week. I didn't have a good week. I had a stressful week. And because of that, I allowed things of this world to to block or to muffle the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't mean that I turn my back on God and I don't believe in Scripture. It means that if I continue going down this path and continue to to put things or to have enough noise, noise that's in my life that I can't hear the Holy Spirit, then I'm not getting the food that I need to produce the fruit that God wants to produce in me. And I say that because I look out here and I see the audience that I'm speaking to. Y'all are in church, right? So you've been grafted into the vine, right? Some of you might be in the rowboat and you might be working and trying your best to, to earn your way to the other side, to earn your way to heaven. That's not right. Some of you might be in the speedboat. Might just simply be laying back and saying, oh, you know, I can just sit here and whenever the boat gets to the other side of the river, I'm just going to climb out and I'm going to be in heaven. I don't have to do a thing. Hopefully everyone in here are on the sailboat with me and we are working at doing God's will and in obeying God's command and allowing the Holy Spirit to blow us to the other side. Right? I don't do anything but allow the Holy Spirit to blow us to the other side. But for some of you, you might have had a day or a week like I've had and there's things that's popped up in your life that has hindered the voice of the Holy Spirit from getting to you. Maybe that's where you are. I'm going to ask that everyone would stand. I'm going to ask if Chris could come up and play for us just briefly.
So this morning, I want to deal with the word abide. In the close, whenever we deal with this word abide in the close, I want you to think about that analogy. What boat are you in? Are you in the speedboat? And you're not doing any of the spiritual disciplines. You're not reading your scripture. You're not praying. You come to church just simply so that you can be at church and you can classify yourself as a believer, as a Christian. But there's no real work that you're doing. You're just kind of kicked back and letting everything or letting letting the boat do the work. It might be that somehow you have found yourself that you're in the rowboat and that you feel for you to be able to get to the other side, you've got to work through this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this for God to supply this for you. And your arms are wore out. Your back's hurting. And you're there at this point and you're saying, well, am I even saved? Is all this that happening, is all this struggling stuff that I'm in, am I even saved? Maybe, maybe you are in the sailboat. And you're doing what God needs for you to do. And you're studying His Word. And you're making sure that you are connected to the vine. But not only connected to the vine. But the vine is feeding you. And giving you the nourishment that you need. And the Holy Spirit is blowing into the sails. As He takes you across to the other side. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what ship, what boat you're in. God does. If you're not in the right one, you're not connected to the right vine, this morning you can be. The altar is open. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for the words. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would be with each person that is here, God, as they look into their lives and they evaluate where they are and who they are in you, God, that you would reveal yourself to them. But God, whenever you reveal yourself to them and where they are, God, I pray that they will be obedient. God, that they will be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.